most of us talk about the soul being inside the body, mm-hmm. right? But, and even the physical body being of a certain dimension and uh, solidity. But if we just scratch it a little bit, we'll find that both the body is much larger than just a physical expression of it, but also the soul is way larger. What are we doing, honey? Welcome to the Wee Talks. <laughs> yes. Every now and then, throughout the year, you're going to get a podcast update from the Wee Talks. Yes. And. What's the Wee anyway? I guess because we don't do it very often, it might be a good idea for us to talk about who the Wee are. Okay. Go for it. The Wee are. Um. I guess I would say an expanded version of you. Yeah, that's a great explanation. I like it. Right. Yeah. And you are a little bit narrower version. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're, sometimes we say something along the lines of your own true nature properly perceived or something like that. That's enlightenment. Yeah. So you're enlightened. (laughs) I thank you, darling. I feel very special now. Okay, good. We're going to be talking about the second article in the We Talk series uh, of articles. Basically, the We Talks are articles written by that expanded awareness sense. Which is you. Which is me, at an yes. expanded awareness sense. Yes. Very different to the me in early events who has a daily life, has to eat and sleep and do all the human things. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the we aren't particularly bothered by doing all those regular human things. No, they're not. <laughs> I'm dealing with two dogs. They're very happy. About. They're very happy here. They love it when we are around. Yes. I don't know why they get so excited when we <laughs> the start. The chicken's on there, the cat's down here, Peavy's over here, Romeo. Yeah. It's a freaking zoo. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, give it a read. Let's give it a start. Yeah. And I bet there's Sasquatch watching us from down there. Oh, there's all the chickens over there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so these articles are not that long, so maybe we could do like the same as we do with the the driving to the rest. We can read a little bit and then discuss it. What do you think? Okay. Yeah. All right. So remember, the voice is the expanded awareness of self. Okay. The birth was interesting. It's not the first time we have shared our birth experience. As Inelia has said, And we say too, our experience of self was not a full singular construct when we were born. We're a soul construct in a physical body. So yes, we were and still are human, but we didn't know how to function or have an experience as a singular yet. It is the reason we thought doing this incarnated into a physical body was a good idea to explore what that is. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, There's so much in that. Paragraph, right? Yeah. We what's have, the true nature of a human yeah. and what's a soul uh-huh. and what's a singular? Uh-huh. Those terms that are worth, you know, exploring. I think that sometimes people uh, will identify quite a lot with this 
paragraph. We have had this article out for quite a few months and we have had people commenting on it. Um, some of the things that get a little bit confusing is that for the majority of people on Earth, including most of the individuals reading... I'll hold it so I don't hurt your hand. Oh, thank you, honey. Um, they, they do come from that larger perspective, not necessarily the one that I'm talking about here, the we are a very specific one, but a larger perspective, nonetheless, of a collective consciousness. Right. And in that collective consciousness... And how I see the difference, and I have perceived it, is that for most individuals, that collective consciousness is made up of a number of singular beings together, working together and sharing thoughts, experiences and lives even. So like a collective group. Yeah, a group that collectively has the same mission or intent or color or color or whatever it might or whatever be. you call it yeah whatever is a way to yeah. think of it so it's often mistaken when i talk about the we to be that and people say oh i'm part of the we also yep. and um they are indeed part of a we but not this we <laughs> <laughs> just like we're all part of different collectives as people we're in a collective that lives in the Olympic Peninsula. Uh, you're a collective that calls themselves Maca, a Native American tribe. Brides um, and grooms of Gaia. Brides and grooms of Gaia, collective of Walk With Me Now. Mm-hmm. I could say I'm a collective of people who were born in Chile, in South America. Um, yeah, so there's lots, right? Mm-hmm. There's lots. And... Even though we all are part of collectives, we're not all part of all collectives on Earth. Not, uh, well, at a certain level of oneness, yes, but <laughs> that's irrelevant at this level of conversation. Right. And so the, this, this we isn't a collection of individuals. This right. we is an ex, a multiple awareness. Yeah. It's almost like one individual with billions of awareness points. There we go. <laughs> that's a good way to think of it. Yeah. Okay. Before we incarnated, we were we. The same way we are now. We talked about our entry into this existence in the previous talk, which was uh, the previous we talks. Yeah, Yeah, the pre-birth. So if you don't know where to find that, just go to (laughs) thewetalks.com. Yeah, it'll find it. You'll find it. Uh, When we were born, that was one of our first experiences of singularity. We had one body. It was extremely fascinating. Fascinating to the extreme. (laughs) Our body tried to guide us into making all the learning and connections we needed in order to function in the physical universe as a singular being. But we didn't listen. Not much, anyways. We instead tried to figure it out ourselves. Part of the fun, I guess. Yeah. Some things worked out faster, but many took much longer to figure out. Some things we still haven't fully figured out, such as the human construct of time or stairs. <laughs> can't go up and down the stairs very well. Not very well known. And time is like, I have to remind myself where now, where I am. I think a lot of people get that. That they have to, they're not in the present time, you know. But to me, what I'm saying is, is that there's a construct of time that we explain it as a human social construct, like a culture. 
that it's a very abstract concept that doesn't actually exist. And what we witness as time, like if we look at a clock and we have a large clock up there, we see the little second stick. Oh, well, it doesn't have a second stick, but the minutes and hour sticks go ting, ting, you know, eventually, right, moving through the clock. Um, but that what we're actually witnesses, witnessing is physical items moving through space. And we interpret that as time. There's another thing that we don't have, and I don't actually have a good handle on, is stars. Mm. Because we are told that the Earth is a ball that flies through the, through nothingness in space, and and the, all those little sparkles in the sky are little, little balls that are, you know, flying around with us. But I've never been able to see it that way, you know? It's like... Yes, okay, they're planets and blah, blah, blah. But not in the way that we think of them. And I've noticed that different people can see those stars differently. And I had a little short experience of that when I was in, uh, I went sailing the uh, Cape Horn, but it tippy bottom of South America. And I looked up at the skies and the stars were the size of golf balls. Mm. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and there was no reason why that should be. I mean, if the earth is round, then the stars should look the same size all around the earth because they're so far away. But it, they didn't. So. so in the south, they get closer to them? That's the thing, you see. Um, is it like a distance thing? Or is it a perceptional thing? Like the cultures down there believe the stars to be something different. Mm. And therefore they're not seen as little dots in the great distance. And then why don't you see them during the day? Right? And why do you only see them at night? Anyways, we went on a different oh, thing, but it's just like... There are lots of things about what we think or we believe and we were taught about reality that, that we don't actually have a good handle on. Um, and the thing about the body that I wanted to talk about um, is that the memories that I have of being in the body the first few days and weeks, even months, the body tried really hard to tell us that we need to work together, that there is no standard like machine that you switch on and then you press this button and it does this and you press that button and it does that. But the circuitry between the soul and the body, so when the soul makes a decision, the body goes ahead and they want to walk over there and then, you know, mm -hmm. the body goes over there. All of those are unique to each person hmm. and they are built up, built by each person with their soul. Now, people who have been here many lifetimes, and there's billions of them, they can, there's kind of create a faster way of doing like a standard, like circuitry, maybe you could call it, between soul and body. That's what we might call genetic memory or something. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. So people call that, it's like you're born and you just, know some things like how to swallow 
Well, no, I'm not talking about those. Yeah, those are definitely genetic memory. Those are body memories. They're coming with that skill set. Mm. What I'm talking about is like walking down the street. It's things you have to learn, right? You learn. You have to learn to walk. You have to learn to talk. You have to learn to use your hands. You have to learn how to use your feet. But you have to learn to control going potty. You have to learn how to um, jump and run. Those are things you learn. And those are the things that each circuitry to do that is very unique to the person. Okay. The way I understood it. But there's like people say, oh, but the brain scan says when you do this, you use this part of the brain and blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, that's not always the case. There's people who use different parts of their brain to do different things. Uh but the majority, there is like an average majority thing because of all the times that the person has done it and all sorts of people have done it. Like a collective agreement of things. Got it. Anyway, that's what I was talking about here. That I didn't listen. <laughs> I'll tell you what to do. I'll tell you how to do this. We watched enough people. We know how to do this. Not. <clears throat> Some things would work out faster, like I said before, but many took much longer to figure out. Some things we still haven't fully figured out, such as the human construct of time or stairs. When we come into the body as, as a we now, we can forget to blink, move or breathe. This is because the automatic systems of the body has, uh, and the non-automatic systems, such as speech, feel all the same to us. Mm. It's like, they should all be automatic or maybe none of them are automatic, you know? It's, it's, it's interesting. Back to the birth. We experience the universe, this universe. We then experience oneness, which is one and other than one. We need, we need something that is not one. It feels contradictory from the limited perspective of a physical universe, but it is not. <laughs> Are you talking about car parts? Car parts? Yeah. No, I'm talking about the universe. Oh. Our ex experience of coming into singularity had to come into the physical universe. Because that singularity in a physical body exists here. Yeah, it does exist in another <laughs> universe for sure. But the one that we wanted to experience was here. Okay. In this universe. So the first thing was, you know, experience the universe. Be the universe, right? Then experience oneness. And we can think, oh, wait, oneness is different to the universe? Right? Which is one, oneness. To have oneness, you have to have other. You can't have oneness without the other. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that one, whee, let's leave it. We'll just let we that then... sit on the side of the road with the other car parts you just talked about. Okay. Like, what? <laughs> Park? Road? Well, I was listening and the words... They were just like car parts or something. <laughs> I don't understand what you mean, but okay. Exactly. <laughs> don't, you don't know car parts? I don't parts? understand what you mean. You don't know about car parts? I know all about car parts, but not the ones you're talking about. Okay. I, I get the gist, I think, what you're trying to say, which is your normal state of awareness, you to become singular you went through many many layers of uh, many degrees of separation to become able to function singularly yes is that what you're trying to say yeah exactly very good okay 
<clears throat> when we then experience collective within oneness movement, for example, the movement of matter through location, oh, we time. experience okay. that what you call time, yes. Okay, okay. We experience the collective awareness of different species and matter. We experience dimensions. We travel through these awareness bundles that people call dimensions and became more and more contracted, focused and less expanded. We eventually arrived on Earth. We follow the energy signature of our soon-to-be-born body. We flew into what we call the atmosphere. We don't experience Earth as a round ball in space. We flew above the ocean. This was fabulous. We flew for what became aware of a long time. We then saw land. We flew towards the land so fast it got closer and closer. Then a city on the land, buildings, many buildings. We we're close to our body. We flew into the city and found the building where our body was to, about to be born. We arrived and saw our mother pushing. Many people were in the room and she was in pain and uncomfortable. The final push came out and our body came out. The soul was there, that was there stayed for a few seconds then left. And we moved in. Fixed the body's heart and lungs enough to keep her alive. She wouldn't let us fix it properly. And we did the procedure to link our soul, which I had been traveling in, with the body. The soul is much larger than the body, so it needs many link points. We studied and we're familiar on how to do this part. So this was very interesting because um, most of us talk about the soul being inside the body, mm-hmm. right? But, and even the physical body being of a certain dimension and uh, solidity. But if we just scratch it a little bit, we'll find that both the body is much larger than just a physical expression of it. But also the soul is way larger than the body. And the way that it links in different bits, they're linked in different parts, you know? Yeah. But, um, and viewpoints as well are linked in. So anyways, that's part of it. Another cat. Another cat. Um, yeah. We knew how to do this. We thought... <laughs> you watched we watched it good enough and the body we didn't listen to the body saying we need to develop how we link no no we're not gonna do that we'll just skip to the end yes we. i will. know what to do we know what to do yeah we know better we felt that the physical universe through our body we felt the physical universe through our body that was quite amazing we were given to our mother after being taken away with much pain and we looked into her eyes we looked into our Ours, and we felt love. We're bathed in a shower of what can only be described as the light frequency and warmth that made our body feel extremely happy and good. We tried to speak to her, but no discernible words came out. After some thought, we noticed the energy field was that which was filling us with. We were made of, and we were made out of. Our soul construct and our body were made out of a field of energy. So we sent that back. We knew this was the first and most important communication for humans now. Sharing their energy, essential energy field. Mm. Sharing each other. We didn't know that before. I guess you won't know until you do. Yeah. We had learned something new and we were very happy. (laughs) Because that's all about the we. The we love that. Collecting their data. Yes. New stuff. Everything else faded away. The pain, the discomfort, the noise and the lights all went away. We were held in the field of love. Some people came and took us away again. 
Our buddy protested by making a lot of noise. We discovered was crying and that we would use it a lot in the coming years. <laughs> we cried a lot. We were cry baby. <laughs> a million years later, which in retrospect we think may have been an hour or so, we saw her again and the field of love with it. Our body would respond with replicating that field automatically now. We didn't even have to think about it anymore. We held us close. She held us close and we noticed that she smelled very, very good. We would now know that smell and the sound that the energy field and would find her anywhere in the universe. Thanks. Yes. That's impressive. We thought for many years to come that the field of love was a greeting, a hello. We learned later that most people don't see it that way and that some find it hard to find it in themselves, which is very strange as they are naturally that field of energy. So there's no finding it. It is like saying that they want some atoms because they don't have any and that people can give them atoms. It's their chakras, honey. They're <laughs> plugged. It does not make any sense, but some okay. nonsensical things we would learn years later were normal in the physical universe when experiencing it as a human being. <laughs> <laughs> Nonsense is normal. <laughs> yes. I particularly was fond of the theory, the particle theory or the atomic theory, you know, I was very fond of it. I really liked those planets I really liked around it. the circle thing. It never made any sense to me at all. And I had some very strong discussions with my teachers at school, physics teacher and chemistry teachers around it, but it's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> you need to learn this or you're not going to pass high school exams, you know, so... Very well, I learned this, but it just doesn't quite make sense. You scratch it a little bit and it falls apart. I remember my dad once said that that well, I was like a toddler at the time. <laughs> he said the atomic theory came about because a Greek guy a long time ago decided to start cutting something. I can't remember what it was, probably an apple, <laughs> into halves, right? And then the half he would cut into half and the half he would cut into half. And he figured out that eventually the half is so tiny that you can't cut it again. And he called that an atom, which means the part that you cannot cut again or the smallest part or whatever. I can't remember what it actually means. The Somebody. first part, maybe? No, no. It's, it's something like it cannot be split or something. Something that cannot be split. And then he went on to say... And you know, because he was very excited about teaching physics, he was a physics professor, as, as, was, as was my mom. He said, and, the, and you know what? He said, you know, he went, put, touch my finger. And Larry's going to touch my finger with his finger. Did you know, he said, that we're not actually touching? And I said, what do you mean? He said, because as our fingers got closer together, we were cutting the space between them in half and half and half to smaller, smaller bits. But it can go on forever, so you're never actually touching. And I looked at him and said, Dad, our teachers are, uh, fingers are touching, man. It's like, grow up. <laughs> and he was like, they actually are not. It's like, <laughs> Dad, they really, really are touching. There's no space that you cannot cut in half between our fingers. They're literally touching. But he's like, no, no, you don't understand. This is like science, you know. Well, I think. Now I suspect that he thought science was truth and real, and he didn't was never taught that science is actually all theories and postulates. <laughs> yes, I don't think so. But yeah, that's the type of conversation I used that's to have. That's what I thought too. So yeah. what? That's what we were trained to think. Yeah, I think in the past that we were trained to think 
something else was the ultimate truth was religion, right? And then before that, even something else. And for that, even something else. You know, it doesn't go back that far. Okay, just two, three ways. All you need to do is remove the children from their grandparents. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And remove the parents, the grandparents at all, or completely. And then you have, or even from the parents, and then you have a gap where you can fill those children with history that probably never happened, and they'll believe it's true, because there's no evidence to the contrary. Nothing to contradict it and no reason to... Even look. Even look. I know, have you ever noticed, have you ever done that? There's one uh, one book, and it was probably the 1990s, 2000s, and it was history as it actually happened compared to the stories that we believe are true. Oh, that sounds like an interesting book. And, you know, of course... What it says actually happened and the fairy tales that we grew up with are, they're completely different. <laughs> but Do you again, remember any of the stories? Well, you know, there would be ones like George Washington paddling across the river in the middle of the night to beat the British in a little rowboat with all of his men, you know. Uh -huh. The stories were oversimplified in heroes and they make a nice hero fable. Uh -huh. And The things didn't actually, you know, happen like that. <laughs> yes, indeed. But it's, it makes a good story. It does, yeah. 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 There Or, were hundreds of them. And yeah. it was like everything that you've established the base of your reality on, it turns out to be mostly stories designed to support that thing that you want, mm -hmm. you know, basically to believe on. Yeah, yeah. And there's no end to the stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so recently, like, um, I've been looking at what we think of as Earth. Yeah, that one's getting hard. It's like, it's hard to reconcile the strongly held belief there is around how it looks and functions and all of that mm -hmm. with the million, not million, but, you know, multiple different ones. They say, oh, no, 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 it's flat. Oh, no, 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 it's not flat. It's a bowl. Oh, no, no, it's not a bowl. It's a sphere. Duh. <laughs> you know, like every one of them has their line of arguments that support. And proof. And proof. proof. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yet they can't all be true. Right. Or can they? Right. Yes. So. Yeah, and the way we're looking at that from the perspective of, uh, I mean, the mentions in the article, right? So they don't see the earth as admirable. And I was stepping in to see how they see it. You know, it's like we lack the words really to explain it. Um, but it's, uh, is it round? Like you said, is it round? Is it flat? Is it? It's like in your second life, the earth in second life. Is it round or is it flat? Yeah, it's flat. Does it go forever? No. What happens at the end? There's edges to it. You can't get past them. And when you try to get past them, what kind of happens? Nothing. You just can't get past them. So does that translate to earth and trying to get past the edges of 
Earth. It's like the rockets or whatever. Yeah. When I was a kid, I read a science fiction book. Uh, I was really small again. (laughs) But I must have been older than six because I didn't learn to read until after I was six. Uh, But it was very, very close after that age. However, I was reading this book and I can't remember who the author was. Maybe somebody here remembers the book. Very well-known science fiction writer. And in the book, the um, the, char- the main character, the protagonist, found the edge of the reality, right? And he also, because he said, if you drive long enough, then down that direction, then or fast enough, then... And the way that the world is being rendered, you know, kind of stops <laughs> functioning. Or you get to the end of the world, basically. And it's always like end of the road signs and whatever, you know, bridges, you know, not built yet or whatever. So the book with the edges. Yes. <laughs> and another part, I think it was the same book, uh, was that most of the people that this character knew, the main character, were supporting our supporting character, right? They didn't. They weren't real people. They were just supporting their his story of life. And uh, again, my dad he uh, he came to me and he said uh, when I came to him and I said, "Is this really real? <laughs> like you know, are like most people just supporting actors of our story?" And he said, "Yeah, you're my supporting actor. You don't really exist. <laughs> you just exist in my mind." <laughs> And I'm looking at him like, <laughs> I don't think, think so. so. <laughs> but that always that story always stayed in my mind. And I remember traveling through large cities when I've been traveling in through large cities and airports and things. And I look around and I scan people. Some of them definitely feel like supporting artists, you know, supporting characters of a larger story. Uh, some of them are definitely people people like with souls and stories and everything else and as i travel different continents and you know like not planets (laughs) different continents and whatever i noticed that there were like um, double gangers what are those called double gangers yeah double gangers like people who looked identical to another person that i'd seen somewhere else in the world it was like, eh, they, like there's patterns, you know, cookie cutter patterns. Yeah. And that became interesting too. And then um, I remember one incident when Danielle and I were in uh, Costa Rica. And oh, was it Ecuador? Ecuador. It was Ecuador. And we were in a town and remember looking at some people there. And it didn't matter where your gaze went. Your gaze traveled through the people and as a wave, they would look at you. Mm. They knew you were looking at them. They were there. They were in their bodies and they were present, 100% present. It was disconcerting because that doesn't happen here in the United States. It's very difficult. Even in England and Ireland, it's very hard for it to happen. But it, it, it's easier. Over, over here, you really have to focus on a person and maybe, maybe they will look back at you, right? But over there, you didn't have to try. You had to be careful not to look at them because everybody would literally stare at you. And Daniel and I were fascinated about this. Hmm. Then we landed in Texas and we had a few hours of LA. So we got out of the airport 
and went into, and we were at Dallas airport. I went outside, took a bus somewhere. Uh, I think we went to eat or something. I can't remember exactly remember what we were doing, but what I do remember is that through the streets and everything, we were looking at people and there was nobody home. Nobody bodies. home. Nobody home. <laughs> they couldn't feel you, sense you, like zero, nothing. There was nothing there. It was just bizarro, like really weird. Mm. And I remembered that book. And I thought, I wonder, you know. If they were like NPC, yeah. non-player characters or whatever. Yeah, no, no player characters, yeah. Or if they were just, um, just well-programmed. Well-programmed. Self-absorbed. Self-absorbed and disconnected. I mean myself or... Disconnected from their disconnected body. Disconnected from a lot of very energy. disconnection experience. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but it was like creepy. And Daniela made a comment, something like, I can't remember the exact words, but it was hilarious. says, Mommy, we've landed in the land of the zombies. Zombie land. <laughs> Watch your head or something. <laughs> but it really felt that way, you know. So it's like what I'm trying to get back at the shape of the world is that just like the size of the stars or what a star really is, the shape of the world very much depends on you and what you decide it is. It's a little like the atoms where the, the even though the atoms supposed to be the smallest part, then we found out, you know, there's smaller parts in the atoms making up the parts. Well, did we find the, out? It's just, just a theory. It's just a, it's just a thing I'm saying. Uh-huh. And then they figured out if they blast, blast them together, they can smash them to bits and they can get even more pieces that come out of it. And then the more times they do that, the more pieces that come up. So, like, at some point now, I think they're at a number that is, like, hundreds and hundreds of tiny little parts making up the parts of the parts. And they're, like, every time they do it, more of them show up. Like, they're actually finding what they're looking for because they're looking for it. Yes, but do you know if they actually do smash it or is it a simulation? It's all... It's all a mathematical giant billion-dollar projects that the computer gives you your answer. I'm sure it's not somebody saying, "Oh, look, I found one of them." Oh, like right the god, the god particle. Yes, that kind of thing, right? Yeah. And it's probably similar, micro macro, right? As you went down, you find realities, substances based a lot on what you're um, looking for. You'll finding it. And as we go bigger, it's kind of similar. If you're looking for flat Earth, you'll find flat Earth. You're looking mm-hmm. for a globe, you'll find globe. You shoot off a rocket in your globe Earth, it's going to go where you mathematically make it mm-hmm. go based on the agreements you've got. Mm-hmm. But at my experience of checking in with reality, like this one, I stuck my head in a cabbage. <laughs> and inside that cabbage is this. Yes. And this was the experience that we're having. Mm-hmm. How... Physical is it actually? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we say is the Earth, what shape is the Earth? And the answer is, what shape is the Earth? Right. Yeah. The answer is the question. Yeah. You tell me what shape the Earth is. Right. We can prove. Any we can prove any one that you choose. The one you choose. Hollow Earth. Find it. Oh, honeycomb yeah. Earth. Earth. Honeycomb Earth. Yeah. Any bowl shape, no, globe shape, shape sphere shaped, moving through space, moving through space. Like the center of the universe, flat, not moving the center through space, of the universe. following a comet, moving yeah. all of these things, right? Yeah. So there should be absolute truth. I mean, that's what we're led 
to believe that there are foundational truths that aren't malleable, <laughs> right? right? And our, <laughs> our very memory of real is malleable. It is, yeah. So what do you think about all that? Well, it's impossible for the dog to escape the kennel she was in, and yet she did. <laughs> that was an absolute truth. Absolute truth. And it's absolutely true that the earth is a shape. A type of shape? Yes, it is a shape. And um, the nature of reality, as you've described it, isn't... Um, it isn't absolutely... I mean, it is absolutely <laughs> true within the framework of where you are. Yes, yes. But it's not absolutely that, no matter mm -hmm. what. Right. But within the agreements and the nature of reality in the cabbage that I've stuck my head into, that's what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And um, if it changes, which it does, mm -hmm. then our memories of its past are all, it's always been that way. Yeah. One of those things. And we can, <laughs> you know, we can go... I don't even hardly want to start, but I've been on places where the flat earth and the round earth and the space earth and the, all these earths and the ferments and on and on, all of these things, everything gets dropped. And that's all you got to like a hundred posts to argue about. <laughs> yes. And it's absurd. Yeah. But I understand how it's so, it's like, why does it matter is I think one of the things that comes up, the thing that comes up bigger, biggest, mm -hmm. is the why it's so important to those who's it's, who's important to. Yeah. I mean, you can practically ask, uh, I could go ask my, say one of my fishing buddies, say, hey, what do you think, flat earth, round earth? They're like, well, why are you even asking? Of course it's whatever, right? right. And hey, you want to look at it? You want to think it's like, are you special? Are you some kind of stupid or something? <laughs> right? Are you some kind of stupid? <laughs> some kind of stupid or something? <laughs> right? They're not even willing to go there. So why do you think I, we are bringing it up and it's something that it's actually interesting to go into and go there? Well, when we look, talk to the we, they start with a perspective of singular that we take to take for granted. Mm -hmm. Singular, a singular viewpoint is the only one we know. Unless... We spend a lot of time in meditations or using maybe and whatever those drugs are that makes your mind go close your mind psycho mm -hmm. psychonaut right mm -hmm. plant medicines those kind of things unless people have done something the singular point of view is really all they have to work with that's true yeah and then when the singular view gets expanded a little to mm, you know I guess not singular mm -hmm. or less singular, then everything starts to fall apart. Yeah. Right. And the, the experience of all the things falling apart, like solid solid solidity of reality, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. It, it hits a natural boundary of expansion that you tend to not everyone, but we tend to generate experiences that will slam us back. Yes. Into the reality that we've all agreed to have. You, or so or sometimes not, we agree to have. Well, yeah, exactly. We have agreed to have. And when you're checking on the edges of reality, 
you'll have, I guess, programs or setups set to bring you back. So like, for instance, you know, I might do toad medicine for 10 years and it's really expanded your brain. But the side effect of all that toad poison is, you know, you're going to have a heart attack. <laughs> and then the heart attack puts you in the hospital and the doctor saved your life. And now you're like slammed back to. Oh, real. That's actually what's real. The All the things I was exploring, those ain't real. This yeah. is really what's real. Yeah. And my family who's here now, that's what's real. Yeah. All of a sudden, the importances get big, big enough to pull you back, yeah. pull you back in and keep you where you are. So that's to be the same with the flat earth, the globe earth, the bowl earth, the whatever earth. As you start to scratch on the edges of it, you'll find programs that will bring you back to mm-hmm. keep keep you in your, in your space. I think that might be why people find it. Like, are you some kind of special stupid or something? Why would you even ask that dumb question? Right? Yeah, I have an example of that, actually. All right. So, growing up, my sister was really into the feminine energies and everything that we are taught about what's feminine, mm-hmm. including moonlight and moon. And she was really into the moon as the feminine principle, and she would take moon bath to empower her femininity. And I was like... She tried, I mean, one day she woke me up, it's a full moon, let's go and go have a moon bath. And I was sitting there looking at the moon thinking, this is bullshit, you know, it's like this, there's nothing here, there's nothing, right? And it never clicked for me, it's like, it was just dissonant for me. Whenever I truthed it, it was like, no, 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 nothing to do with nothing about femininity. And I was like, and it would insult a lot of people that I knew because it was I'm sure I'm, I hear the already, the, I already heard the ears go, what? What did she say? How could she pop? Yeah. Oh, my God. Anyways. It's a blasphemy. Many years later, yeah. I was in conversation with a guy that some people here know called Ingo Swan. Yep. And he suggested I look at the moon. Okay. Right. And and I said, why? And it was like, um, like the moon is not what it seems. Read my book and sends me a link. I read a book. And I thought, oh, I wonder if he's right or wrong, you know, because he talked about how the moon was populated with different ET races and how it, it was a big hollow thing full of offices and whatever. Okay. <laughs> and um, anyways, I did it. I went and looked and it's like, you're right. <laughs> it's, it's populated and it's it's a big machine, you know, and it's ancient, but I felt, and this is where like the things look different to me. It's like, it looked really ancient technology that had been abandoned for millions of years and then repopulated with new races, new, new people and different parts of the moon and stuff. But going in, um, I found that uh, going in to the moon, not like in as in inside the moon, but going in towards the moon, I found that there was different layers. So one layer, it was a beautiful thing and... Uh, Probably feminine. Yes, but feminine energy, goddess, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting, but you're not real. And it suddenly vanished, right? So it's like, oh, that was an illusionary collective barrier, like a firewall to get there. And then another one, and then it was like a, a rock floating on, on in the sky and whatever in space. Space. An asteroid. Allegedly space, right? Yeah, a satellite. And it's like, eh, I don't think so. And it's like, I pushed through and I wanted to go inside the moon because I could feel and sense that that was hollow. 
And I ended up being rerouted to a specific spot. And in that specific spot, there was like a, and I know it was a mental projection, right? Like a, a way to interpret a rule or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got an, a different layer of the firewall, like a, a, a welcome desk <laughs> right. room. And, and somebody sitting there, right? An alien sitting on the other side of the desk saying, you know, uh, who are you and what is your business here? <laughs> so I told her who I was. It was a woman. I told her who I was and what I was doing there, exploring. And I wanted to see what the moon was really like. So, so you don't have clearance, so bugger off. Right? Not in those words. She was very formal about it. And I got ejected out. And I'm like, BS, that's just another firewall. No, you can't stop me from coming in. So I went through the other side and and I went in through one of the crater things. Uh, like, not a crater thing, a kind of tunnel thing. And sure enough, I was wandering inside it for a long time. Most of it was still active, but no, nobody there. But there was areas, big rooms, like the size of football fields, where there were buildings and completely like structures built inside there that were not of the same energy or even materials as the rest of the moon. And I questioned, you know, is it really round? Is it, you know, but I couldn't get very past that, that thing. So, yeah, it's like, it was an interesting exploration so I, when I had some students and I was working with other women, with a lot of women, I had, we did an, ex- an exercise of looking at the moon and I warned them about the firewalls, right? Mm-hmm. And some of, a lot of them found the, the divine feminine, their energy. Oh, that was so beautiful. You know, there might be something else. I remember one lady said, you know, I was aware that this was probably a firewall, but it's so beautiful and so encompassing and it satisfies so many of what I want. Then I decided to keep it. it. It's like the steak in the matrix. Yes, I'm fine with it. I'm going to keep it. This is what I'm keeping. I thought, fascinating. That gave me knowledge and wisdom about how all these realities are really where people choose to be. Mm -hmm. Right? And all these theories, round earth, flat earth, whatever, honeycomb earth, uh, hollow earth. Cabbage earth. Cabbage earth. Those are all just interpretations and what people most best understand it and can function within so that's okay right and that's why i circled back to that book when i was a kid that the people were npcs you know so supporting characters not real uh because it's like the person has an experience a singular experience or could have a collective experience or collect uh, experience with other people or whatever but what is outside of that is open to interpretation and it all happens in your mind anyways. It all is interpreted in your mind. So is it that really that important, right? Well, when relative it, to it, what? Yes, exactly. It's important so, to have a conversation. If I'm going to meet you in Paris, it better be over there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's exactly it, right? So we bring it back to what's relevant and what's important. And then the rest is not that relevant, Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> pretty good chat, honey. Yes, pretty good chat. Oh, and if you want to find also 
The Weed Talks, I, we have them in uh, Substack. You oh. can subscribe to them there so that you can get emails every time a new article is published. I think this one, um, this podcast and the article will also be going out on our regular newsletter in Substack. So I don't know how Ely is going to figure that out. But either way, if you subscribe to our newsletters, you're going to get the, the all the talks. things. The Weed Talks, yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Right. See you next time. Okay. Bye, darling. Bye, honey. <laughs>